Today we come to the 30th message, uh, the last message in our study of 1st and 2nd Peter, the last message of our 30-day revival. And I can say this this morning, praise the Lord, God has been speaking to us. God has been speaking to us, how awesome it has been. Do you remember uh, when we started the 100 days, uh, I believe God led us to do that. I believe God led us uh, to the gospel of John, but as I was preparing for that, uh, someone asked, have you broken it down? Uh, how do you know you can do it in 100 days? Maybe it's going to take 60 days, or maybe it's going to take 160 days. And I remember standing there for a second, and I said, well, I really didn't plan that far. You remember, I took off preaching, and we went through it. And you remember the last words of the last verse fell on that 100th day. And I'll just tell you, I think that is a miracle. I believe truly that is a miracle. I think there's no way to plan that. I don't think there's a way to plan that. Well, guess what? I believe God led us to this 30-day revival. I believe God led us to 1st and 2nd Peter. I don't, I've never preached through 1st and 2nd Peter. Uh, and again, I made no plan. We took off, and where the section ended, I, that's where I quit for that day. 12 days ago, uh, 13 days ago, we were still in 1 Peter, and I said, you know, if we don't get through with this, we'll just finish up on Sunday mornings. That'll be good. Well, guess what? I will preach the last word of the last verse today on the 30th day. And I'll just tell you, I believe that is a miracle. I know that is a miracle. And I don't, I don't know if you're impressed by that, but I am blown away by that. Let me tell you what I think that means. Listen very carefully. Here's what I believe that means. I believe that means God is in the preaching of his word. This isn't a lecture. This isn't a college class. Amen. God is in and active in the preaching of his word. Praise the Lord for that. Tonight, today our message is entitled Living in the Light of Glory. The last message, Living in the Light of Glory. Of glory. Today we're in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 18. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 18. Living in the light of glory. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Beginning in verse 10, God's word says this. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. And the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, and the elements will melt with intense heat? But according to his promise, we are looking for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which some things are hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of scriptures, 
to their own destruction. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come and we praise you today. We're thankful that you're in the preaching of your word. We're thankful that your word is living and active, relevant, speaking to us even in this hour. We praise you for that. Lord, we're thankful for 30 days to have heard your word. We're thankful for the places it went. Some of them we'll never know. And we pray, Lord, that it bears much fruit and it brings much glory to your name. Lord, I pray on this 30th day now, as we have gathered in this room, I pray, Lord, that you would speak. And I pray that it wouldn't be the, the message of a church, the message of a denomination, the message even of any man, but it would be your truth made known to your people. Lord, I pray that the fruit of that, we would draw closer to you. I pray the fruit of that, we would know you more deeply. I pray, Lord, the fruit of that, there will be some that would turn to you and receive you this very day in faith. Lord, we tell you we love you, we praise you, we thank you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right, let's finish it. Let's start with verse 10. Here we go. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Verse 10 starts off this morning. It says, but, but, we've seen that several times. The, the previous verses say that God is not slow in his coming. God is gracious and he's patient, desiring that none should perish, but that all would be saved. We see the gospel is for all people. The gospel can be received by all people. And God is gracious in not coming, giving many a chance to respond to the gospel and be saved. That's the preceding verses. God is gracious. He truly doesn't desire that anyone would, would be lost. He desires that everyone would be saved. And so in his graciousness, he has not come yet, giving a chance for many to respond to the gospel and be saved. So that's the preceding verses. But then it says this, but, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Jesus has held off his coming. He is gracious, desiring that more would hear, that more would receive the gospel. But... The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The day of the Lord, be sure, is coming. Now, the day of the Lord, the day of God, sometimes referred to in the Old Testament, in the New Testament alike, is referring to the day of final judgment. That's what it's referring to, the day of final judgment. The Bible says it will be a terrible day for those outside of Christ. Sometimes we like to think about all the things that will be blessed in that day, but for those outside of Christ, it will be a terrible day. Well, here, Peter says, it will be like a thief. That day will come like a thief. Now, I want you to think about that. That's a, a very interesting word. Think about it, coming like a thief. When a thief comes, he comes unannounced. When a thief comes, he is unexpected. 
And it is terrible for those caught off guard. It is detrimental for those caught off guard when a thief comes. And so the verse says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The verse goes on, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. The Bible says that in the final judgment, the earth will be cleansed, will be cleaned in fire. Well, that's the event that it's talking about right here. That is this goings on. The earth will be cleansed, cleaned with fire. The earth and all of its works will be burned up, destroyed. Now, that is, that is the reality. Now, that's not some superstition. That is the reality. Now, when I think about that, I really can't imagine that. I really can't imagine what that'll, what that'll be like. I can't imagine that roar as a fire devours and cleans off the earth. I can't imagine that. Verse 11, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Let me read that again. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Here, here Peter says, once again, how you live matters. Now, he's told us that in both of his letters, how you live matters. And so now he tells us how you live matters, and so live in light of eternity. Knowing this is the truth, as you live, live in light of eternity. He says, make sure how... You live matters. Now I want you to think about this, and, and I think this will help set it in perspective. I want you to picture this. I want you to think about this. In this event, the great pyramids will cease to exist. And all that effort and all that work, lives given to it, the great pyramids will cease to exist. In this event, the great wall of China that's visible from space, all the labor, all the effort, lives given to it, the great wall of China will cease to exist. The Hoover Dam, it will vanish away, leaving no trace of that dam. The... the, the the revered faces of Mount Rushmore, all those years, all that meticulous work, the, the revered faces of Mount Rushmore, they will be erased in fire. The Smithsonian, all those artifacts, all the testimonies to the ingenuity of man, the Smithsonian and all of its artifacts will be emptied, will be removed, cleaned off in fire. All the great banks of Wall Street, all the factories that have stood in our skylines, the Rose Bowl and the Orange Bowl and Yankee Stadium, all the fields that we've played on, fine homes of grandeur that we've built, all of it will be gone. And Peter says, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, all of the effort, all of the planning, all of the labor, and they're gone. If they will be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought y'all to be, you to be, in holiness and godliness? Jesus said it like this. Lay up for yourselves not treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven. When I read that, when I think about that, I start to wonder, I wonder if we'll ever figure that out. 
I wonder if there's any amount of sermons. I wonder if there's any amount of verses that we'd ever figure that out. Only the eternal matters. Invest in the eternal. It's the only thing that matters. I wonder if we'll ever figure that out. Now, we say that, but you watch us. We work and we work and we grind and we grind and we stress. All for the temporary. The truth is this. Only the eternal matters. Verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. Now, Peter says here in kind of a strange way, if we really saw through eternal eyes, if we really saw through the lens of eternity, that we would long for this to happen. And that's what he's saying. If we actually saw through the lens of eternity, we would long, we would desire for this to happen. If we saw with eternal eyes, we would live in light of eternity. And more than that, we would live longing for eternity. You see, that's a different thing. We would actually live, we would actually go through the course of our days longing for eternity. If we saw through these eyes, we would have a hope fixed on eternity with Jesus. John said in his gospel, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Let me tell you something. It's, it's funny what you think about. It's funny what you learn when you go through two books in 30 days. But in the course of these 30 days, as I was listening and taking in the words of Peter, I realized something. I want to tell you what I realized is really pretty sad, and it's really pretty sobering to me. Today, we say we want to see Jesus in glory. We're quick to say that. We want to see Jesus in heaven. We look forward to it. We sing about it. Oh, I want to see Jesus in glory. I want to see Jesus in heaven. But I think the reality is we look forward to seeing Jesus in heaven because the alternative is that we would be in hell. And that's, that's what I, I think. We, oh, I look forward to seeing Jesus in heaven because if I'm not seeing Jesus in heaven, I'm in hell. That's the alternative. And so if the alternative is hell or Jesus, oh, we want to be with Jesus in heaven. But here's what I figured out. Having available to us the knowledge, the true knowledge of our Savior Jesus, we know so little of Jesus, and sadly, we think so little of Jesus that now, when we can know Jesus, now, when we can walk with Jesus, now, when we can honor Jesus, now, when we can enjoy Jesus, in this day, we like the things of the world better. And so now, we choose the world. Now think about that. Isn't that the truth? Yes, I want to see Jesus. I'm ready to see him in heaven. But right now I've got these worldly things and I'll put my eyes on them. Well, Peter is saying here, if we enjoy him now, if we walk with him now, if we know him now, we'll be longing for those days then. We'll be longing for those days. We'll be longing to be with him in eternity. Verse 13, but according to his promise, I like this verse, 
But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Now, this is a great verse for several reasons. First, first reason, and the, the main reason is this. It tells us of the promise that is coming. You want to know what's coming for us as believers? There's going to be a new heaven, and there's going to be a new earth. And righteousness, goodness, will dwell there. Now, that's an awesome thing. That's the promise that we hold to as believers. But another reason, and I think this is awesome, there's another reason this is an awesome verse. It's because it tells us exactly what John tells us in the book of Revelation. Watch this. Except this is years before John ever had the revelation. You understand that? God is speaking and God is consistent. That's, that's what this is. God is speaking. Now I want you to watch this. 34 years after this, 34 years after this, John is on the island of Patmos, and he has a vision. Now, this is his vision recorded in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 7. Listen to these words. And then I saw a new heaven, wow, and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death, and there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, right, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Let me, let me tell you something. I read that. I'll, I'll just be honest with you. I'm excited about a new heaven. I'm excited about a new earth. I can't really even imagine, I can't really even imagine what that means. I don't even know where to begin thinking about that. I'm ready for a new heaven. I'm ready for a new earth. But I want to tell you this. I am most excited, listen to me this morning, that because of Jesus, I will in the grace of God and in the power of God get to dwell where righteousness dwells. Now, I want to tell you what that means. I don't know how. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. But in the grace of Jesus, in the power of God, I'm going to get to dwell where righteousness dwells. And there's not going to be any sin there. There's not going to be the stain of sin. There's not going to be the shame of sin. There's not going to be the regret of sin. Oh, that we could go back. No regret of sin. There's going to be no guilt to bear for our sin. There's not going to be any corruption, not my corruption or anybody else's. There in glory, there'll be no jealousy, no rage, no prejudice. There'll be no sickness. There'll be no death. There'll be no evil for the former things would have passed away. And I want to tell you, I'm most excited that my home will be where righteousness dwells. 
Praise the Lord. That is our future in Christ. That is our reality in Christ. So Peter says this, therefore. That's our promise. That's our reality. Therefore, verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. Now, there's two meanings to this from this verse in verse 14. The first thing is this. If you're looking for those things, the first thing is you have to be diligent. You have to be careful to be found in Christ. That's the first meaning. If you're looking for those things, if you're longing for those things, you have to be diligent. You have to be careful to be found in Christ. There's only one way to be right with God. There's only one way to enter into his kingdom. There's only one way to receive the promises of glory, and that is to be blameless and to have peace, and that only happens by faith in Jesus Christ. And so listen, if you're looking for those things, good works won't help you. If you're looking for those things, church membership won't help you. You have to be in Christ. So the first thing, be diligent, be careful to be found in Christ. Second thing is this, second meaning. If you're looking for those things, be diligent, be careful to be living for Christ. So not only in Christ, but now in Christ and knowing these things to be living for Christ. Be careful to be living for Christ. Listen, are you careful to be living for Christ? Verse 15, the start of the verse says this. And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Now, I'm going to go back to last night. God desires all people to be saved. That's what he says. And so his not coming, as awesome as it will be, so his not coming as, as great as it will be, is salvation to some who will hear. Now, that's kind of a weird place to be. The fact that he hasn't come again the fact that the gospel is being preached, the fact that someone could hear and receive the gospel and be saved is as salvation to them. And so that puts us in a weird place. We're rejoicing that he hasn't come because somebody might find Christ. But at the same time, we're longing that he would come, that we'd be with Christ. That's kind of a weird place to be. Friends, praise the Lord this morning. He is patient. He was patient to you, toward you. He was patient to me. Praise the Lord. He is gracious. And I mean truly gracious. He truly is gracious. He loves all and he desires that they would be saved. Oh, the glory from last night of a Savior who waits. Do you remember why Peter writes the second letter? The first letter is to encourage those that would stand in suffering. The second letter is to encourage those that would have to stand in false teaching. It's an encouragement to stand in the truth. Now, there's a lot we take out of this letter, but that's the main reason. It is to encourage us to stand in the truth, to see false teaching, to stand against false teaching, and to stand in the truth. Well, he closes the letter by going back to that subject. 
And that's what he's about to do. The second half of verse 15. Just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you. He introduces Paul. He talks about Paul, the letters that Paul has written. All right, moving to verse 16. As also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of scriptures to their own destruction. Now, verse 16 is a very honest verse. Verse 16 is a very funny verse. I, I think about this. There's going to be a day uh, when in glory, Peter runs into Paul. Paul might say, well, what are you talking about right there? This is kind of a funny verse. Peter says some of the things that Paul writes are hard to understand. That's what he says. Some of the things Paul writes are hard to understand. I agree with Peter. Peter was a fisherman. Paul was a lawyer. Peter was an expert of fishing. Paul was an expert in the law. And so some of the things that he wrote are hard to understand. Some of the ways that he wrote them are hard to understand. Now, there's something very telling here in this verse. The Bible says some of these things are hard to understand, and the untaught and unstable. Now, untaught simply means this, ignorant. Not a dumb person, but a person that just doesn't know. They're ignorant. They do not know. Unstable. When I think of unstable, you probably imagine what I think of, an unstable person. That's not this person. This is a person that has no foundation. They're teetering around. They have no foundation. They have no basis for their understanding. So here they are. They're untaught. They're ignorant. They don't know. They're unstable. They have no basis for understanding and so they distort the meaning of the Scripture. They stretch the meaning of the Scripture. And they make the Scriptures say something they do not say. Now be clear, and I think it's important and it's fair to say this. There is a difference in a false teacher. Now this is a wicked person that is selfish, that is using the Scripture, the Gospel, to promote themselves. There is a difference in a false teacher and those who teach falsely, those that don't have a basis, don't understand what they're saying, and so they're teaching what they do not know. They're teaching falsely. There's a difference in a false teacher and one who teaches falsely. However, I want you to see this, but the result is the same. The result is the same. It says to their own destruction, to their own destruction. I want you to see this, and boys, we close out this study. We need to be sure of this. The truth of the matter is this. Why do we care? Why must we be diligent? Why must we have our eyes open? The truth of the matter is this. Any deviation from the truth of God's Word is perilous. Any deviation for whatever reason from the truth of God's Word is dangerous, and it ends in non-truth Therefore, it ends in destruction. Oh, they're well-meaning. Well, they've been teaching here forever. Well, they're good-hearted. Well, they just don't understand. Listen, anything that's not the truth will end in destruction. We have to be aware. Verse 17. You, therefore, beloved, 
Knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. Listen to those words again. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you're not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. Here's what he says. You know this. You know this. You, you're warned of this. And so be on guard. Open your eyes. Check everything against Scripture. Pray to the Lord for discernment. Be on guard. That's what he says. That's our message today. You know this is going to happen. You know this is happening. Open your eyes. Check everything against Scripture. Pray for discernment. It says, so that you're not carried away. It translates led away, taken away. You start off with the truth, but you end up in the wreckage of non-truth. Taken away, falling from your own steadfastness. I said this the other day. The way that Satan wrecks the church is not to kill its leaders. He's tried that. The way that he wrecks the church is not to harass its members. He's tried that. He, he does that. But the way you wreck the church is to introduce non-truth in the church. Now, I want you to look at one last word here before we move to the last verse, and that is unprincipled men. The word unprincipled means lawless, no concern for right, no concern for the law, without restraint. These are the false teachers. So I want you to see this. These false teachers, here's what the verse tells us. They find verses that are hard. They find verses that are complicated. They find verses that require study and prayer and an understanding of the context, and they twist them so it seems they're right. That's why you follow them. It seems that it is right. Now I want to say a whole lot right here. I want to say a whole lot right here. Do you, do you recognize what's happening in that verse? I want to say a whole lot right here, but I'll just say this. Go and watch the seven sermons from last month, and I'll just tell you this. There are people that take the hard teachings of Paul, not unknowable, but hard, and they twist them into false conclusions and then there's others that come along and they just don't know anything and they're, they're without a foundation and so they do the same. And the teaching leads people away from the mission of the church. The, lead, the, the teaching leads people away from the urgency for evangelism. The teaching leads people away and it leads them away from the truth of a gracious God. And the teaching leads them away from their steadfastness and it results in a crisis in the church. Listen, there's a crisis in the church today. We better be aware. We better be aware. Did I say I'd like to say a lot about that? I'd like to say a lot about that. I won't. Verse 18. Verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Last verse. 
Last letter from Peter. Last recorded words of the apostle Peter. From here, he will be marked as an enemy of Rome. And for this truth, he is crucified. And the loud, big personality, fiery friend of Jesus will die. His last verse, his last words, are you listening? Miles, countless miles from the sea where he long ago left his father's boat, where he long ago left his nets. A distant life to him now. With memories of miracles in his mind, with memories of sermons in his mind, with memories of the teachings of Jesus in his mind, with memories of campfires where they sat around a fire, Peter says this, listen to me, the last words. But, oh, it's a gospel of but. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you see how big that is? Do you see how huge that is? The last recorded words. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter says here, the start of it all, the end of it all, the crux of it all is Jesus. Peter says it all comes down to Jesus. He is our living hope, the the only hope that we have. He is our gracious Savior. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Peter says, oh, he is worth living for every day, every hour, every breath. Peter says, he is worth dying for. And so grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All comes back to Jesus. And then there's this last line. To him be the glory. Not to the church be the glory. Not to the apostles be the glory. Not to the works and the words of man be the glory, but to him alone be the glory. To Jesus be the glory. To Jesus be the glory. Both now, today, today, and to the day of eternity. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and the former things will have passed away, and God himself will dwell with his people. There will no longer be any curse, and the lamb shall sit on his throne, and we shall behold his face, and we will dwell in righteousness. And then the last word, the last recorded word is this. Amen. So be it. Well pleased. Peter sets down his pen. He rolls up his parchment. So be it. Well pleased. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father, I'm in awe of your word. And I'm in awe that when you knew we would need the truth, you didn't let a bunch of historians writing books, a history of the truth, you actually gave us the truth. And I'm thankful for this guy, Peter, a person like us, who met the Savior, who heard the gospel, who responded in faith, 
who walked in faithfulness, that we could be instructed in this month. Lord, I'm thankful for his faithfulness. I'm thankful for your faithfulness to be empowering that, to have brought that to us again in your word this month. And I pray, Lord, the fruit of this month wouldn't be a thing to check off, wouldn't be a thing to set down and head into the holidays. But I pray the fruit of this month is that we would love Jesus even more, that we would know Jesus even more, that we would be resolved, ready to suffer if we have to, even more, that we would be lovers of your truth even more. Lord, that we would be truly stirred up. Lord, I I pray for some that are stirred up in this hearing. I pray for some that are still distracted in this hearing. I pray for some that don't know you in this hearing. I I pray knowing the answer for all of them is this, turn to you, fix their eyes on you, draw closer to you. Lord, I, I pray for the one that doesn't know you. I pray in the hearing of the preached gospel of Jesus Christ that they would turn to you this very hour. I pray for the one that's hearing these words but's distracted. I pray, Lord, that they would see the urgent cry of Peter that only the eternal matters. Our priorities to be set right in the hearing of your word. And then I pray, Lord, for those of us that have become stirred up, I pray, Lord, that we would continue to walk, that we would continue to love your word, that we would continue to speak your truth. And I pray to bring much glory to you. Lord, I'm thankful that you are gracious and that you're kind to us. I pray now... As we conclude these services, as we conclude this service, knowing that you have spoken, I pray that you continue to speak, and I pray that you would move in our time of invitation. We trust it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to tell you that 30 messages, 30 messages really about Jesus, 30 messages about the truth of our Savior, and it all comes down to this. We have good news in Jesus. We have hope in Jesus. We have salvation, the forgiveness of sin in the person of Jesus. And I want to tell you, if you're listening this morning and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and maybe you're here and you're thinking about something else, maybe you're here and you've heard this a million times, maybe you're here and you heard this for the first time, I want to tell you, it's still the truth. God loves you. He sees you. He knows the hurts of your heart. He knows the regrets of sin. He knows the pains that we carry. He knows the shame that we bear. He loves us so much, he knows the penalty we're suffering, death. He loves us so much, he sends his only begotten son, Jesus. He humbles himself and comes into the creation that he created. He comes as as a man that he might die for people, for men. He lives a life he never sins, not one time does he sin. Because he doesn't sin, he's able to go to the cross as the Lamb of God. He's able to pay for our sin. Had he sinned, he would have just had to pay for his own. He never sins. Though tempted in every way as a man, he never sins. He goes to the cross, the perfect lamb of God, the final Passover lamb, and there he dies, shedding his blood for the remission of sin that we might be saved. It is paid in Jesus. Our sin is paid for in the person of Jesus. There's nothing left for us to do. It is paid for in Jesus. He dies our death, paying our penalty on the cross of Calvary. They take him off of that, cross. They're hurried. The sun is going down. They're hurried. They take him off. They wrap him in in grave clothes and they put him in a borrowed tomb. Satan celebrates. Jesus is dead. We know the penalty was paid. Three days later, Easter Sunday morning, I'm going to tell you the good news of the gospel is this. He walks out of that grave and he stands as the risen Savior. 
He stands as the hope for sinners. He has a receipt in his hand. It is paid in full. I want to tell you the good news of the gospel is this. Whoever you are today, whoever you are today, if you'll trust him as your savior, if you'll turn to him as the relief for your sin, he'll save you today. And there's, there's no other thing to do. There's not a bunch of boxes to check. If you'll turn from your sin in repentance, turn to Jesus, he'll save you today. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. If you're here in this room, if you're listening in some other way, if you've never turned to Jesus, turn to him today. Tell him, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry. I have sinned, and I'm responsible for that sin. And I ask that you forgive me. And I ask that you restore me. The best I know how, I'm professing you as Lord, professing with my mouth what I believe in my heart. Come into my heart, Lord. Save me. He'll do it right now. He'll do it right now. If you've never done that, do that this morning. If you've never settled that, settle it this morning. Maybe you're here and you've made that decision, but you've never fallen in believer's baptism. And I want to tell you what an awesome testimony, what an awesome celebration to say, this is what I believe of Jesus, that he died for me. I've died with him, and then he's alive again out of the grave. And I'm new in him, risen in him. And we testify to that through baptism. What an awesome thing. And so if you're here and you've, trusting in Christ, I would encourage you to come not as part of your salvation. You're saved by faith in Christ alone. But in testimony to your salvation, in testimony to our Savior, Jesus, you come. We said today it'll be a great day of celebration. Maybe you're here looking for a church home. And maybe you've prayed about it. And don't you move if you haven't. You've prayed about it. And you believe God has led you here. You come and I want to tell you, we're going to serve his name. We're going to uphold his word. We're going to preach his gospel until he comes again. If God's led you in that, you come as well. Maybe you're here as we close this out and you say, God, don't let me go back down. Don't let me be unstirred. And so maybe your prayer is that God stir me up. God, draw me closer to you. God, draw me deeper in your word. Maybe that's your prayer. Maybe you want to come and pray with me here at the front. Maybe you want to pray at the altar. Maybe you want to pray there in your seat. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about or move to the exit you would pray for those who are making decisions. Most important thing we're going to do today, as we stand to sing, if God has spoken to you, you step out, you come on, I'll meet you here.